Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. Recorded live. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. It is live here on Talk to you with Draft Outlook. I am your host, Joseph Potter, joined today by Mr. Chris Ransom. We will be joined later on by John Butts around 1230. And then we may or may not have the draft professor himself, Mr. Ryan Romero. With him, it depends. He lives in Colorado, so, I mean, we're going to give him a little bit of slack. He may be a little bit too laid back at the moment. But now, as an advertising slogan, Chris, we are allowed to advertise on here, aren't we? Yeah. Ah, excellent. I just found that one of the companies I own stock in has a wonderful new body wash and hair conditioner with companies made with as sponsors or whatever made with CBD extract and oh mercy I think I'm in love cost a little bit more not going to give you a price but you just look up CBD shampoo It'll probably be one of the first searches on there. I'm not even going to give you the company. I'm just going to let you search because I know you'll be happy with it. Because I know I was extremely happy when I found it. So, uh, just go to CBD extract. Go to body wash. And you're going to have some of the best stuff around. I can tell you that now. I feel refreshed just talking about it. But today, we are going to be talking about Miami defensive tackle. We're going to be talking talking about the U, Joey. Yeah, we're going with the U today. You know, this is not Michael Irvin U, but this is the U. It's all about the U here today at the Evolution Network. Yes, it is. And RSHO. But mainly the U. Uh, The thing with McIntosh, I'm going to start with what I like about McIntosh because he does have some things to like. This is what caught Ryan Romero's eye. He's got great hands. I love his spin move. I love his swing move. He's got a pretty good rip move. He's got all these different things. And, Chris, I know you and John have both probably seen those. What do you think about his ability to use moves to get into open space to be offensive linemen? Well, you know I'm huge on intangibles and technique, and I didn't see the rip, spin, and swim moves you were talking about on tape versus Notre Dame, but... He's definitely got some athleticism, and when he gets his hands in the right places, he can make things happen. That being said, his block shedding is abysmal, and the number one thing to look for in a defensive tackle outside of the rip and swim moves from an intangible standpoint is block shedding, and that is an area that R.J. McIntosh needs a lot of work in. He's only 291 pounds as well, so he's got the body of a five technique, but he's limited to a three technique role, which makes this a bear, which makes this a project player. And well, you're talking at least a two to three year project. He can come in and be a depth player right now, but if you want to develop him into a starter and a three down player, you're gonna need two to three years of coaching him up. Well, in the Notre Dame game, uh he mostly used the spin and rip move when he was lined up against the right tackle. Uh understandably when they, for some reason, lined him up against 
anybody on the left side, it didn't do as it didn't have the same effect because he yeah was, because Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlitchy are on the left yeah, side that, yeah that was just because they were putting him right there around that gap between those two guys it's like you think you're gonna rip or swim to top five top six talents Ugh. you know that that was just that was just coaching that was just bad matchup you know you need somebody at least 20 pounds heavier with a rip and swing move to go against that or else you're just going to get buried. I mean, yeah. those guys are monsters, so that's, that's terrible, terrible, uh, terrible coaching on that. They should have kept him on the right side because on the right side, he, you know, he got stood up a little bit because he does have that slow first step off the line. But at the same time, he um, was able to use the rip and swim to get some penetrates. Saw a couple really nice spin moves. But he had some trouble against double teams, and when they put him against Nelson and McGlinchey, it was just, it was over. I, I saw Nelson just pancake him like three times. Uh, Nelson is just a beast, and if you put anybody that's at least not his size against him, it's not going to turn out well because Nelson will. Because Nelson can maul you or Nelson can finesse you. And in this case, Nelson mauled him. So, I mean, McGlinty definitely has to put on at least 10 pounds of muscle. And from what I saw and what I've seen of his body type, he has not filled out yet. And that's the thing about uh, athletes and really humans in general is that you can finish filling out anywhere from ages 16 to 22 or so. So he hasn't finished filling out. He's got some work to do. So if in the next year or two he hits the weights hard, I mean, you draft him in round three or four, you could be drafting a guy who, if he would have filled out earlier, would have been a first-round pick. Absolutely. And this is just an interesting scenario, to say the least. If this guy were a little bit bigger, he'd be – a first or second round player because the rip swim moves spin moves are there the athleticism is there and ryan's huge with hand placement strength and athleticism i have what are called swat reports i look at strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats like injuries off the field stuff ryan just looks at he has invented his own unique system called the c system strength engagement athleticism and i wish he could break this system he invented a little bit down in depth on the call but Ryan's going to do uh, Ryan things. He said we should send him a link to the chat room and talk to you, though. So I'm going to get that. Um, I'm going to load well, the chat room and talk to you, and I'm going to send Ryan a link to that in a group message. Well, thank you. I mean, that would have been nice to know. I mean, he said he was going to get somebody on. Room well. if, uh, we send him a link. So Yeah, it's like, that would have been nice to know, Chris. Thank you. That's right. But... Well, you do that. It's, the thing with McIndoff, I like his hand placement. He did well with his hands. The thing is, he wasn't strong enough when going up, you know, he was strong enough to hold his own against somebody that was bigger than him. But holding your own against somebody bigger than you and holding your own against an elite player, because he was never blown off the ball directly on the right side when he was on the right side. Yeah, he had times where he was stalemated, stood up a little bit. But when he was against an elite player in Nelson, that was when he really had trouble. And I think once they put him out wide against McGlinchey, and he did a little better there because McGlinchey is nowhere near as strong as Nelson is. Um, Nelson is just, you know, if there was a college player that, you could say it would be close to the Hulk. I mean, that would probably be Nelson. So 
he did a little better against McGlinchey, uh simply because he didn't have that guy that was just going to destroy him every play, beating down on him. But he didn't get a pass rush against McGlinchey. Uh, so that was, I mean, his weakness is e- his biggest weakness is easily guys who can use mammoth amounts of strength. He just isn't strong enough. Yeah, and Ryan is in the library. It seems like he wants to watch films, and that's okay. We're we're more than cool with letting Ryan help us by watching film in the library. I don't know if he's going to call in, but he's willing to participate in the chat room and watch some film on some guys. So there's players we want him to watch film on. He will report what he sees on film while we talk about those players. So maybe he should apply it. Maybe we should utilize Ryan a little differently in this situation. If he's not going to call and let him do some behind-the-scenes reporting, write some articles for our pages, and just do some field reporting, some scouting. Yeah, it's like I'm not Ryan, sure allowed to call in the show Ryan's in a library. No, he's in a library, Chris, of course. It's like, hey, you know, it's like, I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to get on the phone here and talk extremely loudly. Uh, I'm... You know, I hope I don't disturb you. Yeah, that that's not really something that you know we have. But you know, we can talk about that later. Ryan's gonna be hopefully in the chat room. He's gonna be listening. He's gonna be watching some tape. He's gonna be doing some things. You know, and you know he will be able to get with us when he gets with us. And I'm sure that one of us will relay any comments he has about R.J. McIntosh. But in the end, you know, well, not the end, because if it was the end, it would be a really crappy short podcast. But um, overall, the interesting thing is that Macintosh has to work on his footwork, and he has to work on his strength. Otherwise, if he had those things going for him, he'd be a top 15 prospect. But he is just lacking in those two distinct, extremely important areas. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with R.J. McIntosh. I feel like there's other prospects that are more worthy of the combine invites, but McIntosh is an underclassman, and the U has developed a reputation for developing defensive talent. They, they've been known as linebacker U for many years, and that's due to the fact that they had Ray Lewis and they've had many other good linebackers, Ben Fulware, et cetera, et cetera. They also have a reputation with defensive tackles. Um, Warren Sapp being the main guy at defensive tackle, who was exceptional, had a mean streak as well, but they've had other good defensive tackles besides Warren Sapp over the years at the U. So, Well, yeah. I, I really... I don't even think it's as much because remember the combine is a chance to show what you have. If the general populace of the people, the brain trusts of the NFL say we've got a pretty good idea about what this guy is. We don't need to see much more. If you're not a quarterback wide receiver, uh, one of the skill positions, if you're like a defensive tackle or something of that nature, and they say, you know, we know about you, you're not going to get the invite because they think they've got it overall, they've got a good beat on you. And like, we can see what the rest of it is. It's pro day, regional college, yeah, whatever. But when it comes to... He's a little undersized. He dominated the Shrine game in the Senior Bowl, and that's great and all, but... They want a bigger body in the combine. They want someone who's like 6'2 or 6'3 instead of someone who's 5'11. And the other thing with um, P.J. Hall is he went to Sam Houston State. And Sam Houston State gave up 190 rushing yards to North Dakota State in the FCS playoffs. So 
the fact that P.J. Hill was part of a defense that surrendered 100 to 200 yards on Sam on North Dakota State in the FCS playoff, that that's the other thing the combine look. Well, they're going to take a look at that tape and say, you know, not only was he part of that defense, because they're going to want to know why that defense gave up so much, so they're going to naturally see a lot of Whereas with McIntosh, it's going to be like, okay, he did extremely well in this facet, this facet, this facet, this facet. You know, talking about his hands, his intangibles, his athleticism and stuff. It's like, we still don't get a bead on why he doesn't have the strength. Is it a technique point? Is it a, you know just that he has a weak lower body. What are we going for here? Yes. And 255 so, players are going to get drafted this year. I just checked through all the compensation picks. There's going to be, I believe, 255 draft picks. Because I, I got 218 through, 217 through six rounds, and then there's six compensation picks. So 217 and 38 adds up to 255. So there's 326 combine invites, and 255 players are going to get drafted. So that means 71 combine invites are guaranteed to be undrafted. Regardless of what happens at the combine, 71 players at the combine, at the very minimum, are going to go undrafted. And And there's a few players that could get day three consideration that don't get combine invites, like Ford, like Jay Hill, like, um, like Doris Fountain. There's non-combine guys that could get picked on day three. It's entirely possible. So there's a, there's yeah. probably going to be 75 players that get undrafted when it's all said and done because one thing people aren't considering are the non-com how many non-combine invites are going to get drafted. There's a that could get late round consideration. Yeah, and R.J. McIntosh is not a bad player. I mean, he will probably get drafted around three or four. I have yeah, him at one, gonna say, one on the draft game. I actually gave him to the Cleveland Browns in the mid to late fifth round with their pick from the Chiefs. And that wouldn't be a terrible pick because the Browns do run a 4-3, which and is he what he runs at Miami. Porter. He'd give competition to um, Larry Ogunjobi. He'd give those guys competition. they give Danny Shelton as their starting defensive tackle. And then they have three guys competing to start next to Danny Shelton. Yeah, so, I mean, and right now, I would have to give and the you can edge start to Ogunjobi. But at the same time, you know, Danny the Browns one. is a player that had a down year for the Browns, but he's going to be a player that the Browns can choose to use a fifth-year tender on. If they're not comfortable with that, they can bring in R.J. McIntosh as a a rotational guy behind Shelton, and if they're more impressed with him than anyone else, he's got an opportunity to be starter on the Browns in 2019. Well, I mean, here's the thing. How it works. The, the only consistent player who put a pass rush in on Cleveland was Danny Shelton. It's all about the, you know, when it comes to Cleveland, like you put them in there in a mock, it's about the athleticism. Ogun Joby was a great player this year, but his biggest contribution was his run stuffing ability. Uh, yeah. And Shelton was more of a stop the run and stop the pass, but he was used mostly against the pass because they didn't really have any pass rushers on the inside other than what he did. So in that case, R.J. McIntosh would bring that athleticism, that pass rush ability, because right now he's got the swim, he's got the rip, he's got the athleticism, he's got the spin moves, he just doesn't have the power. And he doesn't have the power, he doesn't have the footwork. Those are things that can be worked on, but at the same time, that's a thing like that a team like the Browns doesn't have. Outside of any show, just rotate him in on third and long situations and give him experience in those situations, and then keep him on the bench on first and second downs. Yeah, give him experience. It's kind of what they did with uh, Caleb. Uh, what's his name from Florida Caleb this year? Florida guy, or was it someone else? Yeah, Florida from Florida. They 
left him on the practice squad for several weeks. Then when they brought him in, they brought him in mostly in passing situations. Uh, And that is how you get these young guys that may not be ready for full-time action. You know, the time they need is just play it to their strengths after you feel like they can hold their own a little bit. And that's and that was what was done there. And he is a uh, Brantley, Caleb Brantley. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying, Joey. Yeah. I just said that five seconds ago, Caleb Brantley. Yeah, well, talking. I'm sorry. I'm not that great with names. Like, I can have a yeah, picture of somebody right. right there. I could have a picture of George Washington in front of me and be like, I know who that guy is. It's okay. Uh, I more sensitive to that. Like Hercules Mata Aqua, they called him Hercules Akuna Matata in Lombardi's draft talk. And it's like, you know it's, what? Hercules Akuna Matata sounds way more fun. I, we'll well, go the, the thing with Herc, every time you say Hercules, I get a picture of Kevin Sorbo and how he looked before his stroke in the late 80s. Okay? You know, flowing hair, you know, ripped muscles, you know, blonde, you know, riding a horse across the countryside. You know, it's like, so, you know, I am not good with names, and I tend to equate them to really old television shows. So, I mean, please excuse me for that. But they use, you know, that's how you use young guys, though, not trot them around on the countryside on the back of a horse. But, you know, just if you have, if they're not quite ready to start, put them in, just let them learn the playbook. Then after they learn the playbook, rotate them in from one play a game, then rotate them in for three plays a game, then maybe get them four or five plays a game to where in a position where they can be strong, like in a passing situation or in a, if you're a run stopper, you know, in a run stop situation or if you're a running back and you're good at pass, your main strength pass walking and pass catching or, you know, pass blocking and, you know, power running. Do a third and short or a third down where you're able to catch the ball or something of that nature. Just don't, it's like, okay, kid, there you go, throw them in or just sit them on the bench and just let them, you know, go away and mold into nothing. That's why, you know, yeah, when... And then bring him into the game once a play, once he gets up to 300 pounds and give him experience. Because right now, you yeah. draft him, he has no knowledge of the playbook. You want him to master the playbook, but he has to learn the playbook before he masters the playbook. So, And Ryan yeah. asked about the Browns on Facebook. How, hey, did Cleveland free up cap space? Well, the Browns, the reason they have more cap space in the NFL wow. is because of the Garoppolo extension. I believe that extension now gives the Browns more cap space than any other team in the NFL. I'm not entirely yeah. certain of that, but I would They were already number two with over $100 million. I mean, 49ers have $14 million, but they probably lost a chunk of that with, um, with the they Browns. They lost $26 million. Uh, with Garoppolo signing. I think they yeah. lost it. I need Yeah, and but yeah, the uh, when it comes to the young guys, uh, I'm gonna give you uh, a little little thing here uh, in a second about the offensive. Uh, offensive linemen. Uh, uh, John Greco. Not John Greco. uh, Spencer Drango. Spencer Drango filled in for Gary Thomas this year. Everybody knows Gary Thomas' 10,600 plus game streak came to an end. Um, Drango, you know, he performed really well. You know, it's like, of course, he's going to be criticized because, you know, he didn't do well, he didn't do this well, he didn't do that well. It's like, you know, you're used to seeing Joe Thomas over there. I mean, you're going to be, whether people know it or not, you're going to be judged by Joe Thomas' standards. 
when you come in to replace him. That's and you know that is what it is. But he performed yeah, rather Joe, admirably. 167 consecutive starts from 2007 when he was the third overall pick coming out of Wisconsin to 2017, and I. I love Joe Thomas coming out of Wisconsin because I remember reading an article about him on Sports Illustrated that he was one of the most complete prospects. Like, he was their highest-rated prospect since Tony Mandarich. That's how good Joe Thomas was coming out of Wisconsin. Like, he didn't have incredible bulk on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but he was the highest-graded lineman since Tony Mandarich. And luckily for the Browns, they didn't get Tony Mandarich. They got the best left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, but... What I was getting at is not a Joe Thomas or anything, but uh, what happened was with Greco, they started him, or Drango, sorry. They started Drango. They, uh, when they, after they started him, they ended up throwing. when it came to Drango, you know, when he was a rookie, he was a backup. He was used on the special teams. He was on the uh, field goal unit. Then he was, you know, he was backup guard. He played a few games a game at guard when they were kicking field goals and such. Then they brought him in a second year. Obviously, their injury to Joe Mack, and they had to move Greco over. They had Drango in there at guard, and he played all right there. He wasn't terrible there. Wasn't great there, but wasn't terrible. Um, Then this year, obviously, Joe Thomas goes down. So they could move Sean Coleman over from right tackle, but instead they brought in Drango. Drango performed, I mean, first game he had to help a tight end but he performed so well they took that tight end away and he performed admirably I mean he wasn't Joe Thomas he wasn't the greatest you know left tackle ever you know in his third year he's had like 10 starts I think it well no he would have had about 15 starts you know at different positions he's never settled into one position in professional level and he, you know, he did admirably for having limited exposure at the left tackle position uh, because he had had the experience of playing sparingly his rookie year, sparingly his sophomore year, because they had the different centers. They had Greco. They had somebody else come in. He got injured. They had somebody else, you know, and they had, you know, were switching him in and out during that time. So they had different people in all the time. And that was, you know, a, that was a thing. You know, that was how they got him to the point that he could go in for Joe Thomas and say, we're not worried about the left side. Left side wasn't protected as well as it was under Thomas. But it was protected, and that's how I think you're going to have to do with Macintosh. You're going to have to sit him, put him in a special team situation. Then, as the special team situations, then you filter him in a little bit. Then you filter him in a little bit more, and then oh, is is a uh, Ogunjobi gets injured. Okay, you start for Ogunjobi. Oh, that's two games. Okay, you got some snaps now. Back to the bench. You know, you're back to rotational. It's like you know, and put him in. So he's getting that experience as he goes until he's built enough to be ready to start. And I think that's the way you're going to have to look at him and work with him as he goes along. They just give him baby steps like they did with Drango. And whatever team gets him, maybe getting a very good player. Do you not agree? Yeah, I agree. Or or do you horribly disagree and you just want to cut my head off for it? I, um, I'm trying to message John about getting on the call, Joey. Oh, uh, I, I don't really know where John is. I don't even know what time it is. I, I Yeah. You know. I don't, he has not been active on Facebook, and he said 1230. He didn't have to work today, so 
Maybe he well, meant 12, John 30. John is kind of the same type of guy Ryan is in the fact that they live in a state where different things are legal and they're really laid back. But at the same time, you know, so, you know, just I'm a much more laid back boss than I was when I first got, when I got my first coaching job and was giving, making people who irritated me run light pool suicides. Uh, yeah, I like to think I'm laid back, but you're probably telling me that I'm like you when you first became a coach because of how demanding I am of myself. Sometimes I bring no, that up. No, it's, it's not the demanding of yourself. It's a, when you're demanding of others to give the same that you did. It was a, it's like Magic Johnson said back years ago after a lot of people don't realize he actually was a head coach in the NBA for about 50 games when he said the best player should never be a head coach because they expect the same out of you as they give themselves. That was, I was never the best player, but I was always the most, the player that gave the most of himself to it. And that's why I expected out of a coach, I expected everybody to give the same commitment. And so this is a situation where I'm like, okay, as long as you contribute and you don't slack off, I'm cool. But if you start screwing around, then not so much. Uh, because, you know, yeah, back in the day, it's like, even if you didn't, it's like, if you were even a little bit out of touch with it, like, it was light pool suicides for you. Now, I don't think you've ever run a light pool suicide, but let's lay it out for you here. You know, back in gym class, you would have to, or you would have to run regular suicides. You remember that, Chris? Yeah, that was mostly for advanced PE. I think I was in regular PE at my high school. But but so. you know, you know, we had one PE, so there was no advanced. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about. Now imagine you have five light poles going through a stadium, through the field, where the lights are coming down on you. For they're like twenty yards each. You have to run to each light pole back, each light pole back, each light pole back for 110 yards, several times. That should tell you what type of coach I was when I first started out. It was not pretty. I was not nice. And I usually made them either do this before practice or after practice, so they were gasping for breath during practice or wanting to die after practice. Does that give you a little bit of a thought process into how tightly wound I was? Yeah, that gives me an idea of how tight you were, but we never ran suicides in my gym class. In all four you, years of high school, we, we never did a single suicide drill. But regular you, gym you wouldn't have liked me as your coach or PE teacher, especially during that time. But, yeah, the, uh, the, I mean, maybe Macintosh, because he is athletic, he's done too many suicides and not enough weight training. That could definitely be it. And maybe he likes suicides in running the steps, because I know I was always a fan of running the steps. So, maybe that's it. The, uh, yeah. So, so, so yeah, the um, yeah, and the oh. reason the Browns were able to clear up so much cap space because they had like eighty six million at the beginning of the year. All the guys that Tony Mario thought would be free agents this year, like Joe Hayden, Kenny Britt, et cetera, et cetera, they cut all those players before the end of this season. And that's one thing that's factored to them having just as much, if not more, cap space as they did last year when they went out and traded for Jamie Collins at the deadline. Because yeah. we were talking about players like that, and that's what's helped them. That's what's helped them get more cap space. 
Yeah, and because uh, Ryan was sort of curious about how Cleveland got that cap space, and those transactions definitely. Yeah, and the fact they only really spent on Kenny Britt and then just let the rest of the cap space just fester. I mean, that that's a big thing in itself. The uh, and it's interesting. Uh, Mark Suba made a mock with the Browns getting Kirk Cousins, and he has the Bills trading up to number one for Sam Darnold. So that's interesting on mockout. And we might partner up with mockout and have a mockout Monday segment in the fall on Draftytopia, where you post a mockout mock draft to the mockout app, and we pick the best mockout app mock draft through an app, and then we post that on Draftytopia because we are closing in on a partnership with Mockout, even though we were denied the uh, combine invite. NFL Communications said, you've got potential to be here, but you're not ready to take that next leap yet. You've got to cover sporting events like the Senior Bowl. you got to get fresh passes to other sporting events, other games, and gain more yeah. experience I mean, inside the reporter. It's not that you yeah. don't have potential. You're just not ready to take that next leap as a combine. Yeah, because the combine That's is kind of a big thing. thing. I mean, you're... you're Going like it passes the high school sports and college sports or something. Good sideline yeah. reporting first, and then revisit us in a year. That's basically what they told us. Yeah. Well, you're it's and like, that's you're trying to walk before you crawl, Chris. I mean, it's like basically you're trying to take a dead sprint before you crawl. I mean, it's yeah, that's a pretty big leap. Yeah. But. So, yeah, the, uh, so what do you think is uh, going to be the overall outlook for? Uh, we got outlooks for every team type in the Word document except the Eagles. The Eagles are not over in cap space, and I have no idea who they can free up to get below that $9 million mark. Uh, That's from the thing with the what I've talked to a couple Eagles fans, and they said they have all their stars. Yeah, you know, they have locked up through twenty one. Back until twenty twenty one. Carson Wentz. They yeah. have Alshon Jeffrey, Sidney Jones. They've got twelve starters, and they're mostly core players. Um, Jason Kels, Brandon Brooks, the right guard. They've got twelve core players locked up until two thousand twenty one. And I can pull up the Eagles spot track thing, and we can look at that really quickly. But the Eagles are $9 million over the cap, which means they're going to have to release a lot of players to clear up cap space. And the players they end up having to release, Mikel Kendrick saves about $6 million. Jason Peters saves about $5 million. But if you release one of those two, you either have to get a linebacker or a left tackle in the first round. That will clear up. Yeah. Just moving those two players will put them under the cap. But... Yeah, the That's a tricky uh, situation for the Eagles at the moment. Well, and they with might the Eagles, have to place a with, tender on Wilson Aguilar too, so that's going to cost money. Well, the, well, here's the thing with the Eagles: uh, Jason Peters, they can release. They could probably release him without much of an issue because, let's face it, they won the Super Bowl without him. And they have to trade. Foles because Nick Foles is getting paid more money than Carson Wentz in um, 2018. And if Carson Wentz doesn't play in year three, there's no reason for the Eagles to put a fifth-year tender on him. Nick Foles has a buyout option in 2019 with the Eagles. They could keep both quarterbacks again this year, but they would have to move on from one in 2019 because if you don't play Carson Wentz in 2018, he won't sign a fifth-year tender, and he'll test free agency. So yeah. he's getting paid less than Nick Foles, so they're going to have to move Nick Foles. It's a tricky situation, but Carson Wentz is under contract until 2021. Mac Hollins is under contract until 2021. Alshon Jeffries under contract until 2022. Shelton Gibson. So those three receivers right there are under contract until 2021. If you tender Aguilar this offseason, he will be under contract until 2021. So Carson Wentz will have four weapons until 2021. He'll have Donald Pumphrey, Wendell Smallwood, Ajay, and Corey Clement. LeGarrette Blunt is a free agent. So he's a player that's going to be 
sought after because he only signed a one-year deal with the Eagles, and Ajay will be in the final year of his rookie deal next year. So you're probably going to see a lot more of Ajay and Clement like we did in the Super Bowl, even though Blunt did make a few nice runs in the Super Bowl. Zach Ertz is under contract until 2022. Lane Johnson is under contract until 2022. Cooks 2021. Kels 2021. So basically, outside of the left tackle position, the Eagles have stability everywhere on the offensive line until 2020 with Wisniewski under contract until 2020 as a left guard. So basically, the left tackle position is the only position they have to address this offseason. They're set everywhere until 2020. And that is a very good situation to be in. They can cut Brandon Graham and save $7 million. They're They're loaded at defensive end, so I'd have to think Graham's the odd man out here because Curry's under contract until 2020, Fletcher Cox is under contract until 2023, Barnett's locked up through 2021, Jernigan 2021, Chris Long 2021. Uh, Mo, Mo Schefter, the Patriots fan who I went to high school with, he believes the Eagles will win another Super Bowl in the next five years. And when you look at the salary cap, the contracts for the Eagles. It's hard to not believe that. Carson Wentz will be motivated to win another championship after watching Nick Foles win one as a backup. I don't know if it'll be the repeat. I don't know if they'll repeat, but they're going to win a second championship in five years. It's coming. Doug Peterson's even said this is the beginning of something special. This is what we. This is where we expect to be as a team. Malcolm Jenkins, McLeod, Sidney Jones. Rasul Douglas are all under contract until 2021. So their two star safeties are going to be under contract until 2021. Sidney Jones is going to be under Rasul Douglas. So they have a four-year window of opportunity, five-year window, if you think about it. They've got a four- to five-year window of opportunity, which is something that no other NFL team has at the moment. Most, Even the teams like the Patriots and the Steelers that are consistently good have a one-year window of opportunity in 2018 before their QBs retire and they event to an eventual rebuild. So well, the Eagles here's the, are built in the long term. Well, here's the thing that uh, hit me. They uh, One of the writers for, uh, I think it was NFL.com, said that uh, the thing you have to look at with the Patriots, why would they be so desperate to keep Josh McDaniels? And that being said, they think Tom Brady is... Well, they said they think Tom Brady is going to retire in the next year or two. So they're, they know that they're probably going to get their quarterback of the future this year. Yeah. Which means they're going to have to have McDaniels around for that development so they can develop into the system. And, and if they're going to keep McDaniels as the heir apparent to Belichick, there is a then, clause in the contract. Josh yeah, McDaniels but, has been named Bill Belichick's successor. That was and the they know the Patriots brought him back. Benjamin Albright reported that on Twitter that McDaniels, Kraft promised McDaniels that he would be the immediate head coach following Belichick's eventual retirement. So, yeah, and the thing was, if you're going to get your quarterback in the future. You have to have somebody, and that's the big thing. It's like, why? You don't want to draft him a quarterback in the future, then Belichick's like, oh, yeah, I want to retire. Well, you're bringing in an entirely new system. You know, but if you keep McDaniels, who does have head coaching experience, you know, and you say, develop him in the system, will make you the successor. Well, right there, you've got continued method of success. So, I Tom mean, Brady says he's going to play until he's 45, but I don't believe that. I think Tom Brady will play until that. he's 42. And this is the thing. This guy who predicts that sports are rigged and scripted said that Tom Brady's going to retire after winning Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. And if he did retire, the Patriots would save $15 million in cap space. So they have a lot of money. They'd be in a very good position as far as abundance goes with that much cap space, and I could see it. I could see them saying, we're going to come back, we're going to win one more, and then Brady moves on. So Gronk might retire. Nate Soldier's a free agent. This Patriots team, even though they are, even though they organized the contracts well for 2018 and they deserve credit for that as a front office, there's a lot more questions than answers 
with the Patriots right now because you're not sure if Gronk's going to retire and pursue acting or if he's going to come back. You're not sure if the Patriots are going to bring back Nate Soldier with only like $13 million in cap space and Nate Soldier getting $10 million a year. He deserves $15 million a year. He's probably going to leave. And he's really the only free agent that's really earned a new contract. Deion Lewis, if you can get him for a cheap deal, fine. But you have James White under contract till 2021. And he's going to be your future number one back. You've got Gillisley under contract until 2019. Burkhead and they, they'll probably bring Burkhead back for a cheap deal again. And they'll, they'll move on from Deion Lewis. That's probably what's going to happen. They'll probably bring back Burkhead at a cheap deal and – they'll move on from Dion. That's probably what's going to happen with the Patriots as far as yeah, the back and, goes. And as anybody who's just tuning in can probably figure out, uh, John didn't call in, so we're going over a few different things, you know, yeah, in the NFL right now. Uh, I have the entire Word document, so I can pick a team – we might do this on Sunday if I'm not done with the draft game. That's currently at 224 players, and I will work on that after the show today. But right now, I'm looking at the salary cap situations, and there's a few teams that I'm looking at their outlooks for the off season, and this is fun thing for me to do. And there's a lot of different teams that could be very good at certain points down the road. And well, okay. that being said, yeah, that right. being said, so we, I've, we I've loaded the document now, but pick a team, Joey, pick one team and then we'll go through, you can pick one team, we'll preview an outlook on it, and then we will wrap our thoughts up about RJ McIntosh and call it a day. That's fair, because we can't go in-depth with every team. But we talked about the Eagles and the Patriots. I'll let you pick one team that we'll go over on the Evolution Network, and then we'll talk with Kintosh and call it a day. I don't really – at this point, it's too early. Uh, until free agency, I don't think anybody cares. Uh, so just – you already went over the Patriots. Go, go over the Browns, I guess. All right, we went over the Patriots and the Eagles. And the Browns summary, the Browns outlook's actually pretty brief. Mostly outlooks are like five to six paragraphs. The Browns is only four paragraphs. They have $110 million to spend, and the only free agent they lose is Isaiah Crowell. And left tackle Joe Thomas turned 33. If he retires to become an owner, the Browns would get $14,250,000 in addition to their $110 million. But I don't think Thomas is going down without a fight. I think he's coming back for 2018. And I know the Browns front office is not foolish enough to part ways with Joe Thomas. I mean, the loyalty this guy has for Cleveland speaks volumes. It really does. And then you've got Danny Shelton, who had a career-low 33 tackles, even though he had eight quarterback hurries and nine quarterback hurries over the last two years. No sacks, but his quarterback hurries have been consistent over the past few years. The double teams this guy's commanding are through the roof, and Cleveland's going to have a tough decision. They got to decide whether to give him a fifth-year tender and reduce their cap space from 110 million to 99 million, or are they gonna potentially wow. move on? Wow, sign a young player who who last year was pretty as close as they had to being a star outside of Joe Thomas and you know, being a superstar, and only have 99 million dollars left under the cap. Only 99 million. Uh, yeah, that's not really a hard decision to make. Yeah, but that's the one deci- that's the one executive decision Dorsey has to make. He's gonna have to make other executive decisions in free agency and the draft. But the one, as far as the re-signing period goes, the one executive decision the Browns have to make is what to do with Danny Shelton. Do they want to tender him or do they want to? give up on him. Because I've seen mock drafts in 2019 mock drafts give the Browns a defensive tackle to replace Danny Shelton. Like, the people in Lombardi's draft talk don't think Shelton's a franchise guy, and they love the defensive tackles in next year's draft more, so they're basically replacing Shelton with them. How many franchise defensive tackles have you seen in the last 10 years? What, Vince Wilford and 
outside of Sapp, McCoy and I mean, Sue, there really hasn't outside of McCoy and Sue, there really hasn't been much. I McCoy mean, Marcel and Sue, Darius yeah. and Nick were good, but they were not elite like Sue or Gerald McCoy. So outside so, of those two, we really haven't seen any exceptional defensive well, tackles. So so four guys in the last ten to twelve years. Okay. So you know, it's like Danny Shelton's not in that category, so got to cut him loose. Yeah, you know? and if Leonard Williams was on the Jets, but he was drafted as a five technique. I don't consider Yeah, he, he's more defensive end than he is defensive tackle. Yeah, he was a DT, yeah. and yeah, so basically yeah, he, that's it. He had a chance to yeah. join that class, but he's more of a, a five technique, so... The last few drafts haven't really been great defensive tackle drafts. So, yeah, this is 2019 is going to be a great defensive tackle group. So, it's going to be probably the best DT group since 2010. This is not a strong DT group, even though there are some guys at the top who could be difference makers. And the yeah. Browns are not going to take a DT after getting two in this draft, and Danny Shelton, they're not going to draft a DT. They might get one on day three for depth or for competition purposes, but they're not going to get one before day three. It's just not a realistic scenario. Yeah, they, they've got four guys that are extremely young that they're throwing in a defensive tackle, so it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. People are just like there's really no news the- featuring the Browns when it comes to free agency. Let's create some. Let's create drama. That's pretty much the angle most of these draft writers are going with for 2019 because they're like, oh, Danny Shelton hasn't blossomed statistically, and they're the Browns. And even if he blossoms, he's going to leave Cleveland. So we're going to give him a defensive tackle and half-ass our 2019 mock draft. It's like if the Browns are picking in the top five again, give them Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo or A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss as a wide receiver because those are big six two, six, four targets, over 200 pounds, great route running, great tape. Give the Browns one of those guys if you're doing a 2019 mock. Don't give them a defensive tackle. They're not going to go that route if they tender Shelton. No. Um, but, but, yeah, enough yeah, of that. Man. Quarterback's got to be the top priority for the Browns because that's what people want to hear about. Are they going to get Cousins or are they going to get QB in the draft? And – it's sounding like, even though I've got Rosenbach to Cleveland, it's sounding like Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen might be the guy. So we'll see what happens. The Browns are in a very unfamiliar familiar situation, but who they're going to take is anyone's guess at this point. Yeah, and so that being said... Uh, I referred to let's... Eli Manning as the Neo. If the Giants are the Matrix, Eli Manning is Neo. He defines their entire offseason. We're not going to get into the Giants' outlook now, but Eli well, Manning is Neo. That's my final thoughts on outlooks for the offseason. Okay. Well, that being said, what is your outlook on the used defensive tackle, R.J. McIntosh? Well, R.J. McIntosh, I see a two-down player. I think he can be effective in the right system. Like, let's say a team that's very deep at defensive tackle, like the Patriots or the Browns, gets this guy and develops him in a 43 system. I think he can be very effective on the Browns. I think he can be very effective on the Patriots. Even a team like the 49ers, he could have success in San Francisco with their depth on the defensive line. He could be productive in that type of role. And the Giants are moving from a 43 to a hybrid defense. So they're going to need depth with them moving to a hybrid defense, they're going to need both 34 and 43 guys. So the Giants would be another good fit for R.J. McIntosh. There's a few teams on day three that would be great fit. Carolina would be a great fit because they're moving on from Starlow to L.A. They're going to have Vernon Butler, their first-round pick from Louisiana Tech, starting next to Kawan Short. They're going to need depth with Starlow to L.A. gone. Carolina would be a good fit. And my outlook on him is you know, it's pretty tame in comparison. The something you have to really look at when it comes to Macintosh is the fact that he is strong in uh, his intangibles. He's got a good swim, 
good grip, good spin move, uh, but he has poor footwork, poor strength. If he goes in there and decides, hey, I'm going to put in to the weight room, because let's face it, some of these guys, if they don't have natural strength, then they don't have the same opportunity in college because they have to work for it, and they also have to go to class. So, I mean, he has to go. He has to improve strength. He's got to improve uh, his footwork. And if he does that, I think right now he is a third to fifth-round prospect, but he has the potential to be a special player if a team stops and gives them the opportunity to do so rather than just say, oh, he doesn't have the strength now, so let's, you know, let's go ahead, put him on practice squad, cut him or whatever. Yeah. So that is something that you really have to look at in the whole is what can he do for us long term rather than short term. So that is my outlook, third to fifth. And that being said, well, we've got two. We are out of time for uh, this episode of Draft Outlook. Thank Chris Next Ransom week we'll be for back being. With wideouts. We will be back with wideouts. Um, Cedric Wilson, the son of former Steelers receiver Cedric Wilson, out of Boise State, and Alan Lazard. Also on Sunday, we'll either break down Tony Mario's seven-round mock or we'll break down the off-season outlooks. Joey's pick, basically, because I don't really have anything else planned. I was going to do the cornerback rankings, but I've got I got to get all the top 300 organized for our draft team, too, and I'm a little now, bit behind. Now, so that's on this, me. Now, on now I, I don't know who we're going to do next week, okay? And I, know, I know you're helping on wide receivers. I'm going to be setting but, those but shows up tomorrow. Wilson. We went over John's guy. We went over Ryan's guy. We went over your number one guy. We asked me, Ryan, and John to come up with top three players. And, and I will, but, you know, I, I, you, I told you earlier I also had to work with everyday work schedules around this. You have every day, okay? You, you have every day. Let me see everybody's schedule first and see how it adds up. So, like, just be, you know, just hold your horses, cowboy. They'll go back to the stable in time. You know, you'll be here. You know, I, I'm i going to do one of your guys. It's all right. Just calm. Slow, deep breaths. I, I, I'm going to give you a yoga mat. That That's your birthday present, a yoga mat. Well, and I'm gonna send you a DVD. Class. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a DVD. Don't worry, you're 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 not gonna have to learn it all on your all on your own. Let's show you a yoga for beginners. Gonna learn how to do this, or I just may give you a pass to a Lamaze class. Now, for any of you who don't know what Lamaze is, you know, if you're giving birth, you might want to know Lamaze. So, you know, let's say Chris. We don't want you to give birth live on air. Why would I give birth on air, Joey? Um, do you we, want to, we, we want to keep your stress levels to a minimum. Or do you want to just end the show on this note, talking about <laughs> what might... About you giving birth on air. Yeah, it's like... But, yeah, the uh, we will be back next week. We will probably do one of Chris's wide receivers. And so and we might not Lazard because that was Joey's pick. If there's a player John wants to break down or Ryan wants to break down and they're free next week yeah. and they actually commit, he's going to put his number two guy Lazard aside. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to do one of my guys. Joey's yeah. go on schedule. So if Ryan, yeah, John I'm probably not going to do one of my guys next week. So you're not going to have to worry about me. Uh, but right now, I will I be doing my guys and one of Joey's guys, but we got to see what John and Ryan's schedule is like logistically. That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah, so it's, it's all about the logistics. Because yeah, the thing, I, if they're able to 
couple next week, but not the week after. We're going to do a second one of their guys now, just to make things easier. No, we're not. We're not going to do it right now. No. It no, like, not. Geez, we're going to do it before we break down other guys because I will always be here. Joey will be here whenever he's not working at Walmart. So. Well, yeah, of Our course I'll be here. I'm the one who has better. to stop the recording. I mean, it, it's it would be really bad if I started the recording, went to work, and just left it going all day. You know, yeah, it would be really bad. Then it you know, can't would end it at five hours. You get five hours on TalkShoe. You get eight hours on Google Hangouts. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll be back on Draft Outlook this week. Uh, we'll be doing a wide receiver. Well, the I think we come that's the, yeah, that's it's like, and those will be strictly reserved for combine stuff, March second through fifth. But I don't know if you requested oh, any of those days off. Just give me a heads up. I I didn't request those days off. Uh, I'm just going by what I usually get off, and I usually get at least one of those days off. So I'm not gonna. I'll have some day during that week off, so we don't have to worry about that. But that's it for draft okay. outlook today. We'll be back next week with some wide receivers, break down some more prospects, and we'll be gearing up for the combine, you know, as we go through. And we will do at least one combine uh, preview show before the end of the month, maybe two, depending on how much we get through in the first show. And for Chris Ransom, thank you for coming on. Thank you for not giving birth on air. And I'm Joseph Potter, so... We're going to end things here, so have fun and take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18.